0: Hello and welcome to the Power and the Key Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterson, and joining me on the line after a week off, it's Ben Cadd. How are you, Caddy?
1: Yeah, good. We're now refreshed after uh, a week's spell, and um, yeah, trying to get my head back into into life, I suppose, and and what we're looked to be talking about tonight, I'm sure we'll be able to buff our way through like we do most other weeks. <laughs> Come on, mate. We uh,
0: put a lot of work and, and time into this, mate. <laughs> yes, it's uh, certainly a bit weird. I'm myself in isolation at the moment with my wife testing positive and, and my little uh, about-to-be-four-year-old also positive. So I'm doing my best, Caddy, to avoid him at the moment, just uh, just isolating as a close contact. So uh, very strange scenario when you're, when you're actually not allowed to leave a place that is pe- has in people infected with the disease, which <laughs> is very strange. So I don't know whether uh, Dictator Dan needs to look at that, but it's a, it's a strange scenario when you're not allowed to, uh, to leave a place that's actually infected with uh, COVID. So very strange Indeed. But, uh, Caddy, since we last spoke, there's been quite a bit going on in the NBA. There's been some injuries and some coaches news, and uh, we're also going to get into our West All-Stars, given that we did the East All-Stars last time we spoke. So we'll kick it off, Caddy, with the, with the news that happened about a week or so ago now with uh, Kevin Durant uh, spraining his left medial. They're saying initially that he's going to be out sort of four to six weeks uh, luckily, d- during the time he's going to be out, 11 of the next 14 games come on the road for the Brooklyn Nets, meaning, of course, that Kyrie uh, Irving can actually play in those games. The, the strange scenario continues with, with Kyrie. Uh, they've, they're 2-2 two and two since since uh, Durant's injury. They've beaten the Spurs and Washington. They've lost to Cleveland and Minnesota today, which was probably a little bit of a surprise. So they're now 29-17, and 17, which has them second in the East. Uh, the, top, the top six teams are within two and a half games of each other. So it's really jam-packed at the top of that East uh, there. So how, how what's your level of concern, Caddy, for the Nets at the moment, given how close the, the East is uh, compressed? And obviously Durant was having an outstanding season. Clearly uh, he was in the MVP running and clearly had been the best player for the Nets. So do you think given now they've got Irving back in the fold, they'll be able to cover enough for them to not drop off too much?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, thank God Irving is back in the fold because if if this had happened sort of two or three weeks ago, then you know there was going to be a hell of a lot left on the uh, rather large shoulders of James Harden. But um, at least uh, uh, Corey Irving's back. And as you mentioned, there's a a bit of a a unique situation there with the schedule that he is going to be hopefully able to play in the majority of these games that Durant is uh, scheduled to miss. So um, I think that's going to be enough to probably keep him around that sort of 500 or win loss of 500 through this period. So if they can kind of, you know, win win every second game effectively over the next sort of, you know, three to four weeks through past the All-Star break, they, they should be able to sort of keep keep their neck above water, I think, in that top six in the East, as you mentioned, is really jam-packed. And there's, you know, another another team or a couple of teams that have been heavily hit with injuries as well. So it, it's going to make for really interesting viewing over this sort of next period of the of the NBA season. So there's yeah quite a lot of teams that are jockeying for positions one through six, and then there's sort of another you know quite a large group of teams sort of banked in between seventh and probably all the way down to Atlanta, which is what's that eleven twelve. So you know it's quite a competitive East this year, as we've mentioned a few times. But the for the Brooklyn Nets, I think you know realistically if they can yeah you know, win half of the, these games that he's out, and you mentioned they're two and two already, I think that would be probably par for these guys, Um, but, yeah, they're going to need some, you know, really bigger impacts. We need Paddy Mills to start firing again. He had a good game today against Minnesota and then also get something more out of, you know, a few of their other veterans. We haven't seen much out of Blake Griffin and the Marcus Audrey of late. So um, they're the guys that are going to have to sort of really step up in uh, Duran's absence because outside of that, they do have a really, really young roster and there's probably too much that's going to be left to them um, to pick up the slack unless these veterans can come. And and right alongside Irving and Harden um, over the next period of time.
0: Do you think this could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise? As strange as that sounds, we'd been spoken uh, about a lot of times throughout the season how much wear and tear I suppose they'd been putting on Kevin Durant, given he'd come off you know such a devastating injury. His minutes were so high, you know. We'd seen games where he played upwards of forty minutes, and you know the whole second half. So. Do you think this actually may be a bit of a blessing in disguise in disguise? It'll give Durant a rest. It'll allow Irving, I guess, to get into a little bit more of a comfortable role. Um, hopefully James Harden can find a little bit more consistency although he has to he's still been a little bit up and down. He's had some outstanding games of late, but then again today he was he was very poor from the field. So do you think maybe in a weird way this could be a blessing in disguise, in disguise given Durant will get a rest and then also maybe they'll drop out you know, the top two spot and stupidly that they could get a game seven on the road, which would, of course, allow Kyrie Irving to, to be playing in that playoff game.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the first part with Duran, I mean, all things being equal, if we're expecting him to come back as healthy and fit as he was prior to the injury, then, yeah, perhaps so if they can keep their, you know, keep their win-loss ratio in check. um, You know, he came back, obviously, the year prior after an Achilles injury and had a really good season in in, in his return last year and then, no, probably surprisingly went to the Olympic games and and sort of took the lead role there for team USA which i think most people would have forgiven him had he opt, opted out of you know that responsibility of playing over in uh the olympics particularly when he you know, did become the focal player on that team so i think um you know if he can come back as as fit and healthy and as valuable as he had been prior then you know yeah, maybe so it's, it's probably not going to hurt him personally um to to, you
0: know, to have that break and, and hopefully freshen up and come back for the back end of the season. So um, I think what... Yeah, sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, we, we saw them uh, get rid of or, you know, cut uh, Paul Millsap, I think it was just this week. Is, is there a type of player... Now, they obviously had quite a few centres with Griffin and Aldridge and Claxton, all their, their best positions being the centre, and Millsap had been a little bit disappointing so far, so it wasn't a great surprise that they did let him go. But is there a type of player now that you can see they need to add um, in, in, you know, to maybe boost it up the offence a little bit with Durant's absence?
1: Oh, not particularly. I think, you know, they can continue, you know, going the way they are. I think, you know, really put some heat back into Corey, Irving <laughs> to take a lot more offensive role. Um, we had you had the 20 shots uh, field goal attempts today for 30 points, so that's a, that's a good start from that point of view. I mean, James Johnson's a, a, an, an able player for them uh, to step into some of the minutes at the power forward spot or, at the four at least, Um, he had 20 minutes in today's game as well. So there is some coverage through the roster, I think, position-wise. But, yeah, I just think in terms of the offensive load, um, Harden and Irving are just going to have to carry the can there. You know, they're paid, you know, max players to to be able to do that. And the fact that, you know, they have the luxury, you know, not that they've been there all at the same time too often, but to have those three guys on that roster, um, you know, is a luxury. So really, if there's only two of them, left at any given time, then they should be able to pick up the slack and, and, and still be a, a really a really good winning team.
0: Yeah, you would hope so. And obviously we're going to have to see if James Harden is actually capable of going back into Houston mode in those games at home when, when Corey Irving isn't available. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see whether Harden can get back to that level. We did see him throw down a huge dunk this week, which uh, we didn't think he was quite capable of given the. Uh, the extra KGs that he's now packed on. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how those two uh, do get themselves together over the next few weeks in Durant's absence. The other team in the East, Caddy, and and you'll certainly not enjoy this at all, the other team that's got some injury concerns at the moment are your Chicago Bulls. We heard during the week that Lonzo Ball um, had an arthroscope on his left knee, which will have him out for six to eight weeks. And then I think it was only a couple of days ago that, Alice Caruso on a, on a very hard foul, and I'll get your opinion on that play in a second, Caddy, by Grayson Allen, which did see him get ejected and subsequently giving a one-game suspension. He took a hard fall, and he's had to have uh, surgery on a fractured wrist. He's also expected to miss six to eight weeks, and let's not forget that he had only just come back into the lineup after a pretty lengthy absence. They're now 1-6 in their last seven games, are the Bulls. and including a 19-point loss today to the to the Orlando Magic, who have now only won nine games for the season. So obviously a, a very disappointing loss today. But they do they are also missing Zach Levine who's missed the last five games and he only played four games in that in the game that he did get injured in. Javante Green's also missed the last 12 games. They've got Derek Jones Jr. out as well. So there's there's plenty of concerns for the, for the Chicago Bulls at the moment. Their defense unsurprisingly has slipped down to eighteenth and that was sort of a, a bit of a surprise. We we saw them start really strongly on the defensive end at the start of the season. And now given that Ball and Caruso, their two best defenders and they're obviously their two best perimeter defenders are going to be down, that's certainly a, a big question mark, you know, going forward. So they're twenty eight and seventeen, still good for third in the east, but but how concerned are you, Caddy, about Chicago Bulls going forward with all these injuries starting to pile up?
1: No, I think there has to be Absolutely legitimate concern now for the Bulls uh, to try and, you know, we've spoken about Brooklyn, trying to just, you know, try and win half of their games over the next period. I think that would be an, an overachievement for Chicago here because, you know, the, the, we spoke about the start of the start of the year, one of the great positives of this team was that um, defensive backcourt of Lonzo Ball and, and Caruso that was, you know, causing so much damage and, you know, allowing Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to sort of play, you know, more their natural style of game. So, yeah, this is going to cause real headaches for Chicago. They're not short-term injuries, either of them. They're going to be expected to be out for you know, for a significant period of time here, and, and it's also been compounded, as you mentioned, with Zach Levine, missing um, a lot of uh, recent basketball as well. I believe he will be hopefully returning when they come back from this road trip, hopefully for the, a few games this week. But yeah, no, look, as you mentioned, they, you know, they're one of their last seven, they're three of their last ten, and, and now that they're... Eastern Conference has really packed itself back together. They, yeah, you know, they're in real danger. I think of even slipping out of that top six, uh, potentially by the time these guys might come back. And then you're kind of in that, you know, really awkward situation in the play in sort of zone uh, seedings. And you know, when the Bulls have, you know, got, got their way to the top of the East not so long ago, it is quite disappointing. But yeah, it's a- hard to see a, a way out for them at the moment with you know those two star guard players essentially not being out there and, and the Bulls still to come back and. And also there was those other depth plays that you mentioned, Devontae Green and Derek James Jr. So they they just haven't got the coverage. We we questioned their their probably depth in a sense at the start of the season, whether they had enough um in reserve to, to come through and and have some impact. And that's really starting to, to shine now. Like I think at one point in today's game it was almost midway through the third quarter, I don't think they had a, a bench point at all um in today's game. So it really you know, has shone the spotlight, probably on their on the lack of depth a little bit, and you now there's just going to be such a high reliance on you know, DeMar DeRozan in the short term. He's he stepped up, certainly going to the plate today with 41 points off 21 field goal attempts, which was an outstanding effort. And, and Kobe White's been the other guy that's continued to, to really shine in, in a more increased role, but outside of that, they really do need these guys to come back, and there's just not much else they can do, I don't think, in the short term to cover it, because most of the trade talk or the the, the conversation around how the Bulls were looking to approve was probably more in the big man uh, positions, and um, you know, whether it was a Jeremy Grant type, whether it was a Paul off a buyout, or something like that, uh, to help sort of bol- bolster the front court. But I think now the, the clear issues is are in the backcourt, but these guys hopefully will be back come uh, the back end of the season, and, and hopefully, Chicago and be in a position to, to still be really challenging um, for particularly a top six seed.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and and surely, surely they're looking squarely at Nikola Vucevic now to to really step up. He's his roles clearly changed since his Orlando days, where the offense revolved around him. But it's fair to say he's had a disappointing season. He's only at just under forty four percent from the field, thirty two percent from three. That you know they're they're way down on what he usually does, and just to sixteen points. So, so maybe they're going to look at Vucevic to not get quite back to you know Orlando Magic Vucevic because they're not going to have the off, offense revolve, revolve around him as they did in his Orlando days. But if he can sort of get up towards the 20, 22 points a game and, and keep rebounding at a level, he's, he's still he's, he's rebounding 11, 11 times a game. So he's he's contributing at that end, but th- they certainly do need him to, to lift offensively. Now, I did say I'd ask you about the, the incident with Caruso. I'm sure you saw the vision of it. What, what did you think about the play from Grayson Allen? Did you think it was a legitimate attempt at a block, or do you think that there was something sinister involved with that?
1: Oh, I'm not sure if sinus is the right word. I think it's clumsy, absolutely, and I, I think it was uh, more than just a hard foul. And you know, you've got to be so careful when these guys are airborne and and effectively taking their legs out from under them and grabbing their arms, and he you know, just had nowhere to land. And and clearly, you know, the injury that, that in the end happened was the broken wrist, and that was just a, a, an absolute result of the of the play from Grace and Allen. And I think it was interesting to see the league suspended just for the one game where they've obviously seen and in that, I saw some reports that, you know, had there not been an injury, then pe- perhaps he wouldn't have been suspended. But I think by the fact that they did judge the, you know, to take into account that he was, you know, seriously injured because of the play, I'm surprised that only one game was handed out to Grayson Allen as a result of that. If they were going to be taking, you know, the impact of the injury into consideration, he really should have been wiped out for a, you know, for a more significant period, I think, because, you um, yeah, it was clearly the effect of what he did to, um yeah, to cop that injury. But, you know, you look back at the Jokic and Morrison incidents as well, and it, I'm sure if um the NBA had their time again, maybe Jokic would have got a more serious um, suspension had they known how much time that Morris was inevitably really going to miss. So, yeah, I think Ballant got off the hook, uh, pretty cheaply here with one game because, of, you know, as I said, they they had taken into account the injury um, when looking at the suspension and the fact that, you know, he could be out six to eight weeks is, um. Yeah, I think there's a, a bit of a let-off there for, for the Bucks and Grayson Allen in particular. And I think there'll be no, no love lost if these two uh, teams meet up again uh, in the playoffs. I think I saw the Bucs' um, Twitter handle block blocked one of the Chicago fan pages. And yeah, so there's, there's certainly a bit of angst in the in the two teams there. And they are, you know, geographically very closely located. So um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting playoff series if they do happen to meet further, further down the track.
0: Yeah, a bit of byplay play going on there. I, I totally agree. It's it's strange the way the NBA come to their to their suspensions. I I, I don't understand it. You mentioned the Jokic one, and nobody knew at that stage how serious the, the Morris injury was. He looked like he was probably hamming it up a little bit, but given he still hasn't taken the court since that, clearly there was something going on there. But I, I agree, given the fact that he was going to be out six to eight weeks, it seems very light on that he would only get a a one game suspension to me w- watching the incident happen he initially he was i think he was making a play on the ball but i agree it was probably more clumsy to to then grab with the with the off arm and drag him down as well i mean as you said w- when you're in the air there's not much you can do to sort of protect yourself so yeah, to, to only give a one game suspension is very strange. You, you seem to have to be to do a hell of a lot in the NBA to get more than than one game suspension. So, I mean, what did what did Isaiah Stewart end up getting for his his brain fade? It was only I think about
1: he got two games. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so yeah. I mean, it, it's very strange. I I think they're far too lenient with their suspensions. I mean, when when you equate it to the AFL here, you know, guys are getting a couple of weeks for a tackle or, you know, a little cheap shot to the stomach. So you'd like to see the the NBA protect their players more and and make a real stance on a play like that because, as you said, very dangerous when you're in the air. If they hand out a 5-10 to 10 game suspension, I guarantee that it'd be a long time before you saw something like that again. So hopefully Caruso can get back out on the court with ball. Levine should be due back shortly. They, they said he is he travelling with the team during this road trip along with Javonte Green. So hopefully they don't fall too far back cuz there's no doubt the Chicago Bulls have been sort of almost along with Cleveland, obviously the fairy tale story of the East and and sort of stuck it up, I suppose, all the pundits that thought they overpaid for DeMar De DeRozan. So it would be very disappointing to see them fall all the way back, you know, due to injuries and covid related absences. One of the other teams that uh, that is struggling as well are the Los Angeles Lakers, and we saw the report come out that uh, Frank Vogel's job was in jeopardy. This was after a 37-point loss to Denver, which is obviously you know an extraordinarily poor loss uh, for the Lakers. They did respond, however, with a six-point win over the Utah Jazz, which apparently saved his job after one win. That's very strange, and given that Utah have actually been playing that well all that recently, it's probably not the greatest win, but since since that win against Utah they're now one and two with losses to Indiana and Miami the only win coming against, against Orlando when they're actually down by 8 points at half time so i reckon that if they would have gone on to lose that game Orlando at, at Orlando we could have uh, seen the back of Frank Vogel we did see Vogel respond after after that after the win oh, sorry to against uh, Utah by benching uh, Westbrook late in that loss to Indiana and then we you know the press conference and they asked Vogel why they benched Westbrook and he said he just wanted to play players who he thought would help win the game and then we had to have management come out and, and say Frank Vogel had the right to play whichever players he'd like. It's turned into a, a bit of a shit show and you, you've got to feel a little bit sorry for Frank Vogel given that he did win the championship with uh, the Lakers you know, only a year and a half ago. To me, he, pe- he pe- appears to be a dead man walking. They're now 23 and 24, good for eighth in the West. We do have the reports that suggest that Anthony Davis is due back shortly, but but where do you sit on this caddy at the moment? Do, do you think that Frank Vogel is being harshly treated, or do you think it's sort of fair given that he hasn't been able to get the best out of the Lakers this season? No,
1: I, I agree with the fact that I think he's a dead man walking. Um, I, is, is it fair? Probably not. For me, I, I don't think. You know, you can you can point the blame squarely at Vogel for their fails failures this season. Clearly, there's been some injury problems around both LeBron and Anthony Davis throughout the season, and and he clearly wasn't the man that made the decision on the Russell Westbrook trade, which effectively you know he got rid of most of the depth on his roster, and um, you know it wasn't his decision not to to re-sign Caruso. So, you know, I think there's some you know some problems there that have happened outside of his control, which is probably attributed more so to the fact that they're struggling. Uh, this season more than his actual coaching. So look unless he's absolutely lost the confidence of the players within that locker room, and I think that would be again, you know, a little bit rich, you know, for the players to start pointing the finger up, you know, where it was only eighteen months ago that he led, you know, it's you know, the similar star players effectively to the to the NBA title. No, I, I just think it's a, a bit of a deflection really from from some deeper issues within that group. I, I do find it totally up. Uh, Unfair and unusual when you know there was, was those really strong reports around the fact that he, he probably had just about lost his job, and then they win one game in Utah, and all of a sudden he, he, you know, his job safe again. It makes no sense they, at all,
0: does it? Absolutely
1: no nah, sense. No, nah, that's, that's clearly not fair on on the coach. You know whether he really <laughs> cares too much about it in the sense that you know he, had, he did get uh, re-signed to an extension. You know his he, salary safe and all that type of thing. And you know he, he might just think there might be um, easy ways to to sit and enjoy his time while he's cashing these checks. But no, I think um uh, yeah, if they've made the you know, decision, they've just gotta they've just gotta go with it and cut him loose if, if that is what they've decided. Look whether that's the right thing for them to do, you know, who knows and, and who are they replacing him with and, and then why is that gonna make any great difference to, to their performance. I, I'd like to see them stick with him for the season, um, you know, get Anthony Davis back in the fold and, and see what they're capable of doing as the as the season continues. So we don't necessarily think that you know, coaching change is going to mask all the problems they have, particularly around the fit, you know, that we've, we've seen it hasn't quite worked with Russell Westbrook. So, um, now it's a bit of a, a tough situation, but, you know, in this uh, in the NBA business, it's, it's not surprising. The coach is often the first one to to, to feel the pain when, when things aren't going so well. So I uh, wouldn't surprise me at all within the next week or so if um, the Lakers don't turn things around quickly, that he'll um, be shown the exit.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's that's the biggest question mark, isn't it? I mean, what what will they gain out of sacking him? Who are they going to bring in? Is this new person going to do a better job than Frank Vogel, a guy that led him to a title, as I said, you know, six eight, eight months ago or whatever it was? And let's not forget, last season, until they had those injuries to LeBron and Davis, I mean, we said ourselves when we spoke about him, we, we couldn't really see, you know, a flaw in them and and would only be injury that would beat them, and you know, lo and behold, they got injured. So we could have been looking at a team that, you know, went very deep in the playoffs last year as well if they'd had any luck with injuries. So to me, he's just been given some very, very ordinary ingredients and they're complaining about the meal that he's serving up. So we, we they only had three holdovers from last season in Davis, LeBron and THT and they brought in obviously Westbrook that you've spoken about which you know, it, pretty much everybody to a man said it was going to be a poor, a poor fit and it has turned out to be so. You know, then they brought in some of the older guys, you know, Carmelo and Ariza and, and these sort of guys, and and it's and it's no great surprise that it hasn't worked or it hasn't gelled. You know, Anthony Davis has only played 27 games. Kendrick Nunn, sort of the, the one young guy along, along with Malik Monk that they brought into the fold that we thought could have an impact, hasn't even taken the court yet. Trevor Ariza has only played the 13 games, so... You know, LeBron's been injured as well. There's certainly been ex- some extenuating circumstances. So for me, it would just be so short-sighted for them to, to blame Frank Vogel and, and have him, you know, be the fall guy basically for the fact that, that they put together – you know, Rob is the one that's got to take a, a large sort of blame for what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers at the moment. So as I said, it would be very short-sighted from my perspective if they did show Frank Vogel the door. Just on Westbrook and the fact that he's now he's been benched late in one game, do we see any way that they can move him on? We've spoken about the John Wall trade in the past and maybe that was a good idea. Is is there absolutely any chance of that happening at all before the trade deadline that Russell Westbrook won't be on the Lakers?
1: Oh, it'd be hard to see a trade happening. I think there was some talk around that John Wall possibility again that you know, the fact that it might have been... Previously impossible to trade it, uh, trade Westbrook now it might be just highly, highly, highly unlikely. That, and would you do it? Would you
0: throw in a in a in a first? And I don't know if it's going to take
1: take Tht
0: as well. But would you try and do it to get off Westbrook, bring in Wall, who's a better fit? Do, do you think that's that could be potentially an answer to them playing better basketball?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd do it. I think so. I think we've seen enough to, to suggest um, that the Westbrook Davis Lebron, you know, three. 300 monster isn't one that's going to be a championship contender this season. I, I, I honestly believe that that's certainly the case. So look, I think you know you just can't look to waste any more time or or games or years of LeBron's career at this stage. So if there's a trade to be made and it is John Wall and John Wall's fit, healthy, and, and eager to you know to effectively play that pass first point guard uh, position, then I think that would give them more of a chance to be competitive. Um, deeper into the season than they would have currently with rest you know obviously attaching an asset to that would be the the part that you'd have to look to to potentially swallow but um you know if if that's what they've got to do maybe it's worth having a run at it as you mentioned it all the way down to eighth in the standings you know that that might not be even good enough to make the playoffs at this rate depending on how things you know shake out because because right below them you've still got the clippers in in the nine portland um in the 10 and you know they've both of those teams have got star players to come back into the teams as well. So, yeah, look, I, I, I'd do it. I think it, it, it'd be a, a risky move, but one that I think at least gives them some a different look. And that I, I'd rather do that than just sack the coach because they haven't had a good season.
0: And what a fall from grace that would be from Russell Westbrook. That'd be the fourth team he would have had in three seasons if you know a trade does come to fruition. This is a guy who's a former MVP. And maybe it could be a little bit of a wake-up call that he – needs to sort of change his games it's feeling very very Alan Ivancy, uh, the way that Iverson sort of refused to change his game and didn't want to come off the bench you know in that last year is at Memphis and and Westbrook seems to be sort of heading down the same path of being very pig-headed and and not willing to change his game so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next week or so with the Lakers maybe Davis comes back and sort of writes a ship and and they they are playing much better basketball, and we won't be talking about this. But they're certainly a team to watch over the next couple of weeks if they do continue to play uh, 500 basketball. So, Caddy, as I said at the top of the show, we're going to get into our West All Stars tonight, given that we did do the East at the last show. So we'll start with the starters, and I think we can probably agree that there's three absolute locks, and and jump in if you if you think I'm wrong here. Nikola Jokic, of course, playing tremendous basketball. The you know the reigning mvp he's, he's he's playing just as good as good as he was last year denver at 24 and 21 good for 6 in the west given how many injuries they've had he's clearly a lock lebron james who we've just been speaking about the lakers what a what a shit show that is but you know lebron He's actually averaging 29 points a game, which is the highest he's scored in the last 11 seasons, which is just absolutely incredible given his age. So it's through no fault of his own that the Lakers are struggling. He's playing small ball five and doing his absolute best to, to drag the Lakers to victories. And Steph Curry, for me, is the other lock. He's at you know nearly 26 points a game, five and a half rebounds, six assists. Now, his shooting numbers are, are way down on what we would usually expect, Expect, but the Golden State are 34 and 13 Good for second in the West. So he, for me, he's obviously still a lock. So you agree with those three locks so far?
1: Yes, I do. Yeah, I certainly would think that they're absolute guaranteed to be there in the in the starting lineup for sure.
0: So that that obviously leaves two spots to go: one front court and one uh, back court. I'll go to you for your last front court selection because I thought this one was a little bit of a curly one. <laughs>
1: Well, it's near on, near on impossible, I think, to actually select this one because as, when you look at the fan voting that's come through, which is the the end of that, I think the the starters do get announced early in this week. But Andrew Wiggins has got a pretty clear cut lead into that third spot ahead of Paul George and Anthony Davis, who are both, as we know, out injured at the moment. So it's really hard to see someone at this stage in the fan voting overtaking Wiggins. So it's really going to come down to whether the coaches and the players can elevate a guy like whether it's Carl Anthony Towns, who I think would be a worthy selection or Rudy Gobert in in the front court to elevate into that starting lineup. Because I certainly don't think Andrew Wiggins is the guy that that should be starting there at all. So look, for me, I'd actually take Carl Anthony Towns now as the, the third starter into the front court. I think, you know, it's so pleasing to see Minnesota now with a 500 record, they're seven and three in their last 10. And that's good enough for seventh now in the West. So, yeah, I think it's a, been a real credit to them to they, the way they've sort of punched their way through the, the season. They had some struggles early and now they've sort of found found a bit of a groove. We mentioned the you know, pretty good win today over Brooklyn. Um, and they're getting, you know, really good performances now out of their big three players, Edwards, Towns and Russell. So I think Towns, you know, would be a, a worthy selection there, probably just ahead of uh, Rudy Gobert in that front court, um spot for mine.
0: Yeah, so I went with with Gobert just ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. I agree; that they were the two ones that I was tossing up between J- just on on that voting. So you said that uh, Wiggins is third in the voting. That's correct. So it's the way the starters are worked out. It's a fifty percent uh, split for the for the fans, a twenty five percent split for the uh, players, and twenty five for the media. So I can't imagine the media or the players are going to vote. Uh, Wiggins in, so I don't think he will get that that starting spot, but as I said, I went with Rudy Gobert, he's at 16 points a game, leads the league in rebounds at 15 a game, you know, nearly 2.5 blocks, shooting an unbelievable 71.4% from the field, which leads the league, what, he actually missed 5 games recently, and Utah went 1-4, and four. so I think that sort of highlights the importance of Rudy Gobert to the Utah Jazz, they're 4th in the West, they are slipping back um, as of late, but... And it will be a little bit strange to have both Gobert and Jokic on the court uh, starting together, given they're both centers, and LeBron's even playing some center. So it's not the greatest sort of, you know, starting five if you're actually trying to win a game. But I think Rudy Gobert, given his start to the season, does deserve to be that that third starter in the front court. And and just to touch on Carl Anthony Towns, totally agree he's having a. I don't know if you want to call it a bounce back season. He obviously had a had a lot of things go wrong for him last year with with the de- death of his mother and so forth. So good to see him getting back to playing the basketball that we know he can play, you know, nearly 25 points a game. He's shooting 51, 41, 80 splits. So he's just an outstanding shooter from anywhere on the court. You'd like to see him get a few more shots, but you know, you said that Edwards and D'Angelo and Russell are playing good basketball as well. So there's not a lot of shots Left on the table for for Carl Anthony Towns after those guys, uh, dip into that, and you know Malik Beasley does like to fire away as well. So, but it is good to see Minnesota playing some good basketball, and I totally agree. For me, he's he certainly that that first uh, front court selection on the bench. So that last backcourt spot as well, Caddy, That that was there could have been three or four guys you would have, you could have selected there. Who did you, who did you end up going with as that last starter there?
1: Yeah, I think out of all the positions in the east and the west, I think this last spot in the west guard rotation is probably going to be the most competitive one, and it's probably out of a, a couple of guys as you mentioned. Look, in the end, I've gone with Chris Paul. I think you know the, the way the Phoenix have continued on this season thirty six nine best record in the league. Uh, I, I think Chris Paul is obviously still the the main architect behind pretty much everything that they do, and I think it'd be Absolutely worthy for him to to start another All Star game, and you know it's 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 just incredible what he's doing at his age. Thought last year was sensational, but he's just backed it up again uh, this season, and, and almost you know playing a a better role. I think in this in this Phoenix lineup. So I, I've gone uh, with him just ahead of a couple of guys, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second. Yeah, well, you, you know how much of a, a Chris Paul fan I am. He's
0: been the the backbone of the pair and the key. Fantasy team the last couple of years, but he just got edged out by Ja Morant, who's had an outstanding season. Memphis, 32-17, and 17. good for third in the West, incredibly. I don't know what kind of odds you could have got about you, uh, Memphis Grizzlies being third in the West at you know past the halfway point of the season. So he's just been incredible, 25 points a game, almost six rebounds, seven assists, 48-35, 77 splits. Just an absolutely outstanding Athlete. We all love the way he goes about it. We've seen some of the twisting, you know, layups he makes. The alley oop dunks he throws down, the incredible blocks that that he's done throughout the season. He is the complete package out on the floor. And I only just had him ahead of Chris Paul. Chris it was between those two for me. And as you said, there's certainly some other guys that we'll chat about in a minute. But yeah, as you said, age-defying season that Chris Paul's having. Leads the league in in assists at ten a game, still still getting two steals a game. Forty-eight percent from the field, a career low. Actually, thirty-one percent from three, which is a little surprising. His attempts are way down on in the last couple of seasons, but in crunch time, they're the best crunch time team in the NBA, and it's absolutely no surprise that you know that it's led by Chris Paul. You know he's made DeAndre Ayton, Javale McGee, Bismarck Biyombo, and Jalen Smith all look like above-average centers. So you know, put put any other point guard on that team, and I guarantee you that that four-headed center lineup. Wouldn't have looked as good as they had this year. So Chris Paul was absolutely outstanding and he was my first selection for the backcourt on the bench. Uh, Who was your second? I'm assuming you went with Ja Morant on the bench.
1: Yeah, I would have had Ja Morant um, just behind Chris Paul and and then probably just ahead of Devin Booker as well. I think um, both Morant and Booker uh, will be named All-Stars this season. Um, Morant, just as you mentioned, just terrific leading such a young, exciting Memphis team. And, and Devin Booker, just the the backcourt pairing with him and Chris Paul again is just a major reason Phoenix are, are doing what they're doing. And I think he, he's absolutely worthy of his opportunity in the All-Star game as well. Oh, he certainly is. He's he's had some really big games as late.
0: He's 24 points, five and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, shooting a career high, which is surprising. Only 38% from three is his career high. But as you said, Phoenix are first in the West and, you know, he's definitely a more than worthy all-star candidate this year, Devin Booker. So that that's the two backcourt selections. There's now three frontcourt selections. We've both made one. You had Gobert. I had Carl anthony Towns. Who was that? The frontcourt for me was really difficult. I think there's there's clearly, you know, a, a, I'll, I'll go with it. Draymond Green for me is clearly a, an all-star this year. You look at his numbers, they don't jump out off the page, is it? Just under eight points a game, which I haven't done the math, but uh, the study, sorry, but he could be the 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 player selected to an all star with the fewest points per game that we've ever seen. Seven and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists. You know his defense is outstanding. Golden State uh, have actually been on a little bit of a slide since uh, Draymond Green's gone out of that injury, gone out with an injury, a calf injury, which is a back related calf injury, which which sounds very unusual to me and not great. So hopefully he's. Back in the lineup very soon, but for me, he was clearly um, a, a walk-up all-star for me as a reserve. I don't know if you agree with that, Caddy, but um, you probably do. But how how did you go with that last front court position? Because for me, I thought it was very difficult.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely difficult, and it comes down to probably really a couple of injured guys that are that have missed a lot of games. So you know, you're talking guys like Paul George, Anthony Davis. Now, for me, Anthony Davis still with the twenty-seven games so far, averaging twenty-three points. Ten rebounds, three assists. I think would just be good enough if he can come back and, and play um, relatively soon to to get he, himself into the all star game. I think just ahead of Paul George, who's haven't we haven't seen since Christmas, really. So they're the two I'd be probably looking at from the front court uh, positions to take their place in the game. So
0: so did you go with Draymond Green in, as one of your front? Court yeah,
1: I, I think Draymond Green should be there for sure. No, I think he, he's affected winning so much. This season, um, and the proof's been in the pudding, as you mentioned, there could be a record low in terms of points scored for a guy to, to make an all-star game. But um, I think it just with the a few of the other guys that have missed so much um, ball at this stage, I think, yeah, he'd it, be a guy that you, you'd need a reward. And I think the Warriors definitely should have two players in the game and i definitely have Green in front of a guy like Wiggins.
0: Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, I, For me, Wiggins, Wiggins isn't even a conversation. I think his season's sort of been... Blown a little bit out of proportion. He's as a, he's, he's been very good for, for the Golden State Warriors, but for me, definitely not an all-star type season. So the, the two wild cards for me were both guards because the, the guard's position is just really stacked. So Donovan Mitchell, despite the fact that, that Utah Jazz are on a little bit of a slide, his season's been very good. 25.5 points a game, four rebounds, 5.2 assists, shooting a career-high 45% from the field. Down a little bit, 34% from three, but 88% from the line. He's he's their go-to guy in crunch time, and we've seen him produce you know, throughout the playoffs and a number of times in the regular season. Down the stretch, he, he's certainly a big-time performer, so Donovan Mitchell definitely deserves his all-star jersey this year. And for me, the other wild-card spot was Luka Doncic. So Dallas Mavericks are actually 10-2 in their last 12 games, and they've now jumped up to fifth in the West, 27-20. Now, Doncic's numbers, 25 points a game, almost nine rebounds and nine assists are very good on paper. It's just his shooting is similar, I guess, to, to to a James Harden. It's just, you know, well below what we would usually expect from Luka Doncic. He's down at 43-29, 75 splits. So I've got no doubt they're going to jump up, you know, in the back half of the season, and he's certainly been the main reason that Dallas have been able to get on a roll. So for me, those two... Um, wildcard spots did go to guards. Did did you have both Mitchell and Doncic as as wildcard spots?
1: Yeah, I think they're both in there. They have to be and, and there's a couple of younger players there that have probably they've been pipped at the line. You just can't see how, you know, you could overlook a guy like Luca. Um, you know, it's it's almost becoming a bit boring to and, and we don't sort of seem to talk about him too much. But, you know, he's carrying pretty much that Dallas team. They're twenty seven and twenty. Um he's still the main guy there and, and, and doing doing so well again and and when other teams are falling around around him, he, he's still been able to lead and carry that team to a to a winning record. So absolutely needs to be there. As does Donovan Mitchell again. Utah, I think, deserve the two players in there, and, and Mitchell again at, a, at an All Star level this year. But you know, I think a guy like the Murray from San Antonio, would, you know, is really starting to to make a case for. Obviously, maybe not this year, but I think um, in the in the next year or so that he could be a guy that could. Be good enough to to get a look at um, an all star game, and the same with um I think Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's you know playing on on a what I called the worst NBA team ever ever made um, at the start of the season. I think you know the fact that they've still can you look stupid game. for that comment, Gaddy. <laughs> well, they're not, you know they're, they're still down at fourteen and thirty two. They're so not going they're great just
0: quietly,
1: know. The fourth equal third worst record in the league, but you know Gilgis alexanders having having a good season as well, and and he's being able to you know for a, such a young player. Really, be the team leader there and um, averaging the twenty, nearly twenty-three points, five assists, five rebounds. So he, he's another guy. I think as, as we get through their career, him and Jazante Murray will be guys that will feature. Um, I don't think this year, but but down the track for sure. So, so given how sort
0: of thin I suppose that front court position is, I'd probably for me it came down to to Paul George and Anthony Davis. Now, George has played twenty-six games. Davis has only played twenty-seven. We're expecting Davis due back shortly, so he's probably just gonna edge ahead for me. Brandon Ingram, I suppose I suppose was the other one, but you know, New Orleans are only seventeen and twenty eight. You know, they're struggling. They've actually been playing close to five hundred basketball since that poor start they had to the season, but Ingram's probably not playing at a good enough level to get in there and you know, you could argue whether the Lakers deserve two all stars given they're only playing five hundred basketball and we're talking about their coach potentially being shown the door, but Given how thin the front court is, Caddy, would you prefer that you would just be able to pick, you know, your best sort of seven on the bench, and maybe you could play a Dejounte Murray or a Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander over either a Paul George or an Anthony Davis who don't particularly sort of deserve to have an All Star spot given their season they've had so far.
1: Yeah, I think it's been a bit of a unique year for the the big man in the West, um, but compared to you know the amount of candidates. Probably in the guards, but another guy we haven't mentioned, Stanley and Lillard. So he's played the 29 games this year for 24.7 assists, and you know we haven't even mentioned him here. And you know I, I think really it's going to be close to, to you know maybe being an all-star as well this year. And I'd certainly probably prefer him as into the game than, than one of the um, one of the forwards there. So I think you know we know that what we've seen in the NBA over the last five to ten years, it has become so positionless that I think it is a little bit silly that we are pigeonholed into selecting guys into into. Uh, positions. I know they have gone away from centres and forwards and these sort of things and calling it front court and back court. But I think, you know, in the end, I think, um, you know, the, the way both of these teams would be set up, you know, guys like LeBron James, Giannis, Kevin Durant, they, you know, they're all multi-positional players that can play in any part of the court. So um, I think it is a bit useless really picking him in, in selections. You'd just rather pick the best players out there and, and be rewarded for it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that they definitely need to go down that path. I mean, of course, the front court this year in the West has been sort of played by injuries to to both George and Davis, and you know, Kawhi's out. Zion Williamson hasn't played a game. You know, these are guys that are pretty much walk up starts to All Star games if they are healthy. So. And it's probably a bit of a unique season, as you said, given the COVID-related absences and you know the the long-term injuries that we've had to some of these star players, particularly in the front court. So hopefully, next season we we get a bit of a clearer run at it, and uh, we can get these guys back out on the court, and we could get you know the West actually putting together a really good strong front court to challenge the East. So we'll call it there, Caddy. As I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't as yet, please jump on Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating. We also have the Facebook page that is up and going. We do paste all the episodes there, and of course, the the merchandise that uh, Chris Prince uh, yeah. did model for us uh, recently is available. If you'd like to get in touch with us and give us your size, I'm sure you could uh, go out and rep the uh, Power and the Key podcast, Caddy, when you are down playing a bit of a uh, local pickup hoops. But until next week, we'll talk to you then.